Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. And today we're looking at a really interesting parable that brings to life a lot of different aspects of the Old Testament and of the New Testament. It's a really cool parable to do an exegesis on, so we're going to get straight into it today. Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 to 46. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, Listen to another parable. There was a man, a landowner, who planted a vineyard. He fenced it around, dug a winepress in it, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went abroad. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his servants, thrashed one, killed another, and stoned a third. Next he sent some more servants, this time a larger number, and they dealt with them in the same way. Finally he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come on, let us kill him and take over his inheritance. So they seized him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They answered, He will bring those wretches to to a wretched end and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will deliver the produce to him when the season arrives. Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures? It was the stone rejected by the builders that became the keystone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. I tell you then that the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. When they heard his parables, the chief priests and the scribes realized he was speaking about them. But though they would have liked to arrest him, they were afraid of the crowds who looked on him as a prophet. So, really interesting text here and quite a confronting one for the Pharisees. So, verse 33, Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, So by now, the Jewish leaders had fairly clearly rejected Jesus as the Messiah. So that's the context. Jesus is speaking to the leaders here who have pretty much rejected him already. He says, listen to another parable. He says another because he's just finished telling them one called the parable of the two sons or sometimes the parable of the wicked son, which is about listening to God's messengers when he sends them. The parable we're about to hear is one where every detail is placed there carefully by Jesus, and there's pretty much a meaning in every single detail of this parable. Some parables, you've got to be careful not to stretch it too far, and there's just one main point Jesus wants to make. I think with this one, there's quite a few specific references going on here. So Jesus starts the parable, speaking to the um, the chief priest. There was a man, a landowner, who planted a vineyard. And that was pretty common in that culture. Um, Sort of rich men would buy a block of land and they would plant a vineyard. And there's lots of places in the Old Testament where God is depicted as the landowner and Israel is depicted as as the vineyard. And it says, he fenced it round, so that would be to protect the vineyard, dug a wine press in it, so that it would be fruitful, and built a tower. So probably so it could be managed and watched effectively, something like that. So in particular, Jesus, when he's speaking, is probably thinking of Isaiah chapter 5, which is a parable in the Old Testament where Israel is depicted as a vineyard planted by God. 
And in that parable, the vineyard has a hedge, wine press, and tower. So Jesus is probably pretty clearly referencing that parable from the Old Testament. So in Isaiah chapter 5, in the parable, the vineyard, or Israel, does not bear good fruit and it gets destroyed. So Isaiah is kind of warning the Israelites, you're this vineyard and you need to be careful because if you don't produce good fruit, you're going to be destroyed. And of course, Israel was destroyed. And in the same way, this parable is a warning to the Jewish leaders. If they don't produce good fruit, they're going to be destroyed. So the landowner in Jesus' parable here does everything he could to look after the vineyard. And that's pretty similar to what God did for Israel. He did everything he could to extend grace and favor to Israel over the centuries. If you read the Old Testament, it's basically the story of God constantly trying to win Israel back to himself. And most of the time, Israel and its leaders aren't interested. So the parable goes on, the man leased it to tenants. So in that culture, when the owner of the vineyard was going away, he would hire people to look after the vineyard in his absence, and they could have some of the profits, but some of the profits had to be turned over to the owner every season. So who are the tenants supposed to represent? Well, I think pretty clearly it's to the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees and the chief priests. They're the ones that have been tasked with watching over the Jewish people on behalf of God. So this is a parable about the chief priests themselves. Verse 34, when vintage time drew near, so that's the time for collecting the fruit. When that time drew near in the culture, the landowner is is hoping to produce fruit. That was the whole point of planting the vineyard. He wants good fruit. And tenants were expected to give a portion of the fruit back to the owner. So the owner sends servants to the tenants. So now we have a different group of people, servants of the owner who is, uh, and the servants are being sent to the tenants. So these servants are representatives of the owner himself, and they go and check on the harvest. So this would be a reference to the prophets that God has sent Israel throughout the centuries to put Israel back on the right path. Verse 35, the tenants seized his servants, thrashed one, killed another, and stoned a third. So why are, they, why, is the, um, why are the tenants killing the servants? In the parable, probably because they don't want the master to find out that they haven't been looking after the vineyard very well. They don't want the servants to bring a report back to the master, so they kill them. This is a very clever reference from Jesus to the way the Jewish leaders really did teach the prophets. All throughout the centuries, whenever God sent a prophet to bring a message from God, In the Old Testament, the Jewish leaders pretty much almost always reject the message the prophets are bringing and they kill the prophet. So it's a very clever reference and a very clear and specific reference to them. Verse 36, he sends some more servants, and this might be a reference to the fact that God sent more prophets in the later parts of Israel's history to try and get them back on track after the exile. And afterwards, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. So in that culture, the son was considered to be the best way of representing the father, the best representative of him. They essentially had the same nature as the father. So the way you treated a man's son was a reflection on the way you felt about the man himself. And that's really important when we consider that Jesus is considered to be God's son. In our culture today, we don't really see that same relationship between the son being the representative of the father. But in that culture, they did. So this is a clear reference to Jesus being God's son, and it means that God has sent Jesus into the world to check on his vineyard. 
Verse 38, the tenants said to themselves, this is the heir, come let us kill him and have his inheritance. So the tenants know that their master, in the parable, the tenants know their master is rich and they know their master's inheritance would one day be given to the son. So they think if we kill the son first, then we're the tenants, we're next in line, we might get the money. So what's the parallel here to Jesus's time? Well, it's pretty clear, I think. The Jewish leaders plot to kill Jesus, as we know. They want to kill God's son. And in a sense, it's basically out of hatred for the message that he brings from the father. So verse 39, they throw him out of the vineyard and they kill him, which is pretty much what happens to Jesus. He gets killed by the tenants of Israel. Verse 40, now Jesus asks this question. He kind of pauses and asks the question to the Pharisees directly. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? So he's asking uh, the chief priests and the leaders here. Verse 41, and this is the uh, the chief priests speaking, they answer Jesus' question. He will bring those wretches to a wretched end. So this is an interesting ironic prophecy that the chief priests are making because it's probably a reference to the destruction of the temple. Forty years after Jesus speaks these words... The, uh, the Jewish leaders were judged and the nation was destroyed, basically. So they're prophesying their own destruction here. He will bring those wretches to a wretched end and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will deliver the produce to him when the season arrives. So that's exactly what God does in, in history. He makes a new leadership system after he destroys the Jewish leadership system. And that new system, as you would probably know, is the church. Verse 42, Jesus now keeps speaking to the um, chief priest. He says, have you never read in the scriptures? And that's fairly insulting to say, have you never read this in the scriptures? Because these are supposed to be the experts in the scriptures. And this is what he quotes. It was the stone rejected by the builders that became the keystone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. So that's from Psalm 118. In the context of that psalm, it's a celebration of the Lord's rescue from her enemies. Now, what's a keystone? So, in Jewish society, the keystone, or the cornerstone, was the indispensable indispensable foundation stone that was used to build a building. And it was carefully inspected by the builders. If you didn't have a good foundation stone, it was rejected. They need a good one if they're going to build the building. So, and in particular, this is interesting, the psalm... Uh, The cornerstone the psalm is talking about is the cornerstone of the temple itself. And Jesus is speaking this parable where? In the temple, uh, which is being renovated as they speak. So in this time period, the Jews are currently doing some renovations on the temple, which last about 70 years. And it's only finished in about AD 60. So at the time Jesus is speaking, the renovations in the temple are going on. So interestingly, in a real sense, the chief priests were literally the builders of the temple. They're overseeing the building of the current temple. But here stands before them the key cornerstone, the true cornerstone of God and of the temple, which is Jesus. He's standing before them, but they're rejecting him. They're inspecting him through his ministry and they're rejecting him. That's a really interesting analogy, isn't it, to Jesus? So the meaning here seems to be something like this. Jesus is the stone, but he's been rejected by the builders, which is Israel's leaders. But in the process, Jesus has become the foundation stone of an entirely new building, the church. 
Verse 43, this is where Jesus gets very direct. I tell you then, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. So the kingdom of God had to be offered first to the Jews because the Jews are God's people. So Jesus comes primarily to preach to the Jews. They're the inheritance of God's promises. They're the ones who've been waiting for the kingdom of God. So Jesus presents it to them first, but by and large, the Jewish leaders reject the message of the kingdom of God. So God says, I'm going to give the kingdom to a different group of people, which is the church, which ends up being made up primarily of Gentiles. So Jesus here, notice, this isn't Matthew speaking. This is Jesus saying, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. This is Jesus clearly saying, your time is up. You've rejected the kingdom. It's going to be given to another group. So this is in a sense saying that the kingdom, you could say the kingdom of the Jews or the kingdom of Israel is going to be superseded, not done away with completely, but certainly superseded by another kingdom. That's what Jesus is teaching. Now, verse 44 is not in our lectionary reading, and that's because it's not in most manuscripts of the Bible. And the manuscript that our lectionary uses doesn't have it, although some Bibles do have it. So I'll read out what it says, verse 44. And he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but if if it falls on anyone, it will crush him. So here... Jesus is combining two different prophecies from the old, well, two references from the Old Testament. The first part, and he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. It's sometimes called a stumbling stone or a stumbling block, is a reference to Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14, where God himself is depicted as the stumbling block for the unfaithful. So Jesus is saying, I'm the stumbling block for the unfaithful. And then the second part, but if it falls on anyone, it will crush him. So this calls to mind the imagery of Daniel chapter 2, where there's a stone that falls on the kingdoms of the world and destroys the kingdoms of the world, and then the kingdom of God grows from there outwards in the form of a mountain. So this is probably a reference to Jesus being a judge of the kingdoms of the world and being a judge of those who reject him. Verse 45, so this is Matthew um, narrating now, When they heard his parables, the chief priests and the scribes realized he was speaking about them. So the chief priests know they've picked up what Jesus is saying and they're not happy about it. Verse 46, but though they would have liked to arrest him because he's just insulted the leaders of God's people, they're angry. And you could say it's a minor form of blasphemy that they're accusing him of. So they want to arrest him, but they're afraid of the crowds who looked on him as a prophet. So looking around, they see that there's crowds all around. This is very public. They say, no, we can't do it now. Otherwise, the people will revolt and it won't work out well for us. So that's why they work out if we're going to arrest him, it has to be at night time when no one's watching. So a really interesting parable, um, a really clear one where Jesus is quite clear about his own identity, the failures of the Jewish people, and also about the destiny of the kingdom of God in terms of it being given to the church. Where does this get referenced in the catechism? There's two paragraphs, 755 and 756, which, um, you know, together they comment on this text, particularly in terms of God being uh, like a building and like a vineyard. Here it's what it says. The church is a cultivated field, the tillage of God. On that land, the ancient olive tree grows, whose holy roots were the prophets 
and in which the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles has been brought about and will be brought about again. That land, like a choice vineyard, has been planted by the heavenly cultivator. Yet the true vine is Christ, who gives life and fruitfulness to the branches, that is, to us, who through the church remain in Christ, without him whom we can do nothing. Often, too, the church is called the building of God. The Lord compared himself to the stone which the builders rejected, but which was made into the cornerstone. On this foundation, the church is built by the apostles, and from it, the church receives solidity and unity. This edifice has many names to describe it, the house of God in which his family dwells, the household of God in the spirit, the dwelling place of God among men, and especially the holy temple. This temple, symbolized in places of worship built out of stone, is praised by the fathers and, not without reason, is compared to the liturgy of the holy city, the new Jerusalem. As living stones, we here on earth are built into it. It is this holy city that is seen by John as it comes down out of heaven from God when the world is made anew, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. So that's quite a beautiful um, paragraph or two paragraphs which bring together both the analogy of the church being a vineyard, in a sense, and also the church being a temple. It's uh, quite a nice summary of those two things, which are both, which both come here from Matthew chapter 21. And then in paragraph 443, there's a discussion about what it means to say that Jesus is the Son of God. And here's what it says. Peter could recognize the transcendent character of of the Messiah's divine sonship because Jesus had clearly allowed it to be so understood. To his accusers questioned before the Sanhedrin, Are you the Son of God then? Jesus answered, You say that I am. Well before this, Jesus referred to himself as the Son who knows the Father, as distinct from the servants God had earlier sent to his people. He is superior even to the angels. So you'll hear there the reference to this parable, where Jesus is depicted as the Son who is superior to the servants, which are the prophets. So um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you learned something new. Please share it with other people. And uh, we'll see you again tomorrow.